0: He took his wife or not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Isaiah 7, 10 through 14. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men, that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Micah 5.2. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. This is the word of God. told me the mic wasn't on. Is it on now? Good. It told me the mic wasn't on when I mentioned her name. Tatiana Klein. Richard Klein was her husband, and uh, he passed away just a few days, very suddenly, unexpectedly, before Christmas. And incidentally, my name is Jim Ferguson. Uh, some of you may not know, but I've been around here for a long time. As you could tell the way I came up the steps, You know, um, if you were to measure time as God measures time, you'd have eternity past, you'd have eternity future. What would be the center point? Where would it all come together? Well, it would all come together in the 33 years that the Lord Jesus Christ lived on this earth. Everything before? and everything after, right there in the middle, that 33 years where he was with us, where God became man and dwelled among us. They had to have a starting. And so it started with his birth. Do you realize there's very little said in the Scriptures about his birth? We pretty well read the Old Testament pictures of, of so they must have known. That there had to be a beginning if the Messiah was to come. So how was this Messiah to come? Well, he was to come as a little baby. Behold, the virgin will conceive and bring forth a child, and you shall call his name. Now, here's the clue. God with us. So it's pretty obvious that not only are we going to have a baby, but we're going to have a baby that's going to be more than just the image of God. It's going to be God incarnate in the flesh. If you understand that, you're God. That's unbelievable. But that was the, that's the center point of all time. And it's interesting because you know, it's not something that's blown out of proportion in the scriptures by any stretch of the imagination. Only two, uh, Matthew and Luke, even mention the birth of the child. That's to be God incarnate in the flesh. But it doesn't matter, it's still very important. It's important simply because God had to have a beginning. For us, as humans, he had to have a beginning. For himself, as, as, he, took, as, as he took upon us flesh and became like us. Now. The big question, what can we learn from the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ? It's interesting because Luke gives us five songs about the birth. But Luke also gives us a number of people who were involved in the nativity itself. Starting with the Annunciation to, to Zechariah until the fulfillment of Mary's sacrifices. A period of about 40, well, it has to be nine months and 40 days, wouldn't it? So it's not a big period of time. But we can learn from that period of time quite a few things. Now, of those people that were involved, the first one, obviously, was the angel Gabriel. Gabriel came to announce the birth of John the Baptist. And then we have Zechariah, to whom the announcement was given. And then from Zechariah, we move to his wife, Elizabeth. Elizabeth was the one that was to bear John the Baptist. Mary came to visit her. She's next in line. Although the angel did come back to Mary to announce to her the birth of the Lord Jesus. And then we have Joseph. Joseph is followed by, the, by oh, those, those shepherds in the field, and the angels, a different set of angels, but the angels who came to proclaim the heavenly glory. And then we had Simeon, and last of all, we had Anna. Uh, I'm going to go through those, and you can imagine we'll be here all day doing it, but <laughs> I'm going to go through those, and I'm going to see what we can learn from each one, a special little nugget that we can grab a hold of and we can say, ah, that's interesting. That's what God has given us. So the first one that we want to look at is we want to look at Zechariah. Now, there has been no, no um, prophecy for 400 years. Everything has been absolutely Quiet. Can you imagine a people that were accustomed to, to looking at, at writings like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Daniel and, and uh, all the stories of, of, that they would tell their kids about these different prophets that would talk? But for 400 years, I would imagine, just like today. There's a lot of us that think, boy, it's been a long time since uh, we've heard thus saith the Lord that wasn't written in the Scriptures. It's been a long time since they said the Lord Jesus was going to return. I wonder how many people have just totally given up. Well, there were a lot of them that day, but there was a remnant. And that's what we learn from these different people, that there was a remnant. They looked forward to that coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it's interesting because the last words that were spoken were from um, the book of Malachi. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great, and awesome day the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. It's interesting. The Jews wouldn't finish reading on a curse. So the last words that the Jews had was, Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the great and awesome day of the Lord. So that's what they were holding on to. But it was quiet. It was still. And then... One day, a guy by the name of Zechariah, not accidentally, incidentally, can you imagine all the patience that God had for the very day when Zechariah would be the high priest that would go into the temple to offer the sacrifice? And the angel appeared to him. Let me read it. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? That we're going to have a son? For I'm old man. Boy, can I identify with that. For I'm an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I speak to you and bring to you this good news. And behold, you will be silent, and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their time and the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple and when he came out he was unable to speak to them and they realized he had seen a vision in the temple and he kept making signs to them and he remained mute. (laughs) You think that God doesn't have a sense of humor? 400 years, they've been quiet. Now, all of a sudden, he has a vision. We got to wait another nine months to find out what's going on. God and his sense of humor. Well, what can we learn? We can learn that God is not going to be silent any longer. The heavens have opened. God's word has come. Here we are, we only have nine more months to wait. And then the Benedictus. And then Zechariah will proclaim the coming of the Messiah. Zechariah is, you know, I, a lot of people say that Zechariah was <coughs> excuse me, was struck uh, mute because of his unbelief, and that's probably true. But can you imagine of a more intriguing Sign, then to sit around and wait to hear God's word for nine months. And then that day, when he gave forth the Benedictus, and he proclaimed, God is no longer going to be silent. He has opened the gates for us to hear. How exciting. And then there's Elizabeth. I... Uh, I get a kick out of Elizabeth. She, uh, she hit herself for five months. I don't know why. I would think she'd be very happy. But of course, at her age, and I have no idea what her age would be. I can only imagine if that were to happen to one of us. And at your old age, and all of a sudden you're going to be pregnant. But, but Mary came to her. What do we learn from Elizabeth? Well, I'll tell you what. You know, Uh, my grandson was telling me the other day that if you focus on the resurrection, you focus on the right thing. But if you focus on the birth, the only thing you can do is venerate Mary. So how do we treat Mary? Well, we learn how to treat Mary by listening to Elizabeth. What did Elizabeth say when the baby leaped in her womb? She said, Who am I? that the mother of my Lord should visit me. How do we treat Mary? With the utmost respect. Because Mary is the one who is to bring to us the Savior. You know, when I think of Mary, bless her heart, I, my, my heart goes out to her. But, you know, I, I kind of think of the Cinderella, do you? You kind of imagine her as as an obscure girl in an obscure village in an obscure town, and uh, all of a sudden she's richer than anything you can imagine—not in worldly wealth, but in the very presence of God. I think of that. I think of those romance novels, those Jane Eyre novels. Remember where. where uh, there's a there's a rich mansion and there's a rich man that lives in the rich mansion and there's a, a beautiful woman and they have children and everybody's happy and they're going to live happily ever after. And then, then the, the, the wife is gone and he's got to bring in a governess. And he brings the governess into the house and he tells her that, you know, she's got to, this is her job, this is what she's got to do. And he lists all the things that she's got to do in order to earn his favor. And then, you know. In the course of time, he falls in love with this beautiful governess. And everything looks like it's going to be happy again. And he brings her into the house. And he comes to the list of rules. He's going to make a big fanfare as he tears down the rules. She grabs him by the arm and she says, leave him there. Before... I had to do them to gain your favor. Now I want to do them. That's always been the picture to me of Mary. This beautiful girl who wants with all of her heart to serve God. But there's something else about Mary. Something I think is even greater than that. Are you familiar with Genesis chapter 3? we call that the fall that's when sin entered the world through eve that's a sad day sin entered the world through eve but guess what god in all of his grace in all of his mercy the deliverer Entered the world through another woman, through Mary. Though Eve would bear the disgrace of sin coming into the world, God didn't leave that alone. He chose Mary to bring the deliverer, the one who would save us from our sins, into the world. And then there's Joseph. What a great man. What a gentle man. You know, when he found out that Mary was pregnant, he loved her. I don't want to make a public disgrace of her. I'm going to put her away quietly so that no one will have to bear any of this. And then the angel of the Lord came to him and appeared. And, and, and what, what happened? He said... Oh, God, wow, that's wonderful. I'll, I'll treat her like a queen. I'll take care of her. That's Joseph. You know, Joseph was going to be chosen for one of the greatest jobs God has ever given any man, going to be the mentor of his son. You don't realize the importance Joseph. Joseph was going to be the one who was going to teach him a trade, forever putting work as sacred to God. Joseph was the one who by just simply his obedience was willing to follow the law of the Lord. You know, there's something that most of us, we don't often think about it, but it's very important, and it comes to us in Luke chapter 20, uh, excuse me, chapter 2, verses 22 through 24, and this is what it says, at the end of eight days, he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before the foundation, before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him to the Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves or two uh, pigeons. You know, you read over that. You don't realize the importance of it. Do you realize that if Joseph had not seen to it that the law of the Lord was fulfilled, to the minus degree, Jesus could not be our Messiah. If he had not been circumcised on the eighth day, he could not be our Messiah, because he wouldn't have fulfilled the law in the perfect way. If 40 days later, if Mary had not gone and done the proper sacrifice, he could not be our Messiah because he would not have fulfilled the law of Moses. He had to be redeemed. Doesn't that sound silly? The first one that opened the boom had to be redeemed. Had that not happened, he could not be our Messiah. Do you realize the importance of Joseph? Do you realize what hung there in the bow? I know God can do anything, but he still chose a man to do it. A man highly esteemed of God, a gentle man, a picture of what manhood is all about, strength controlled. That's our Joseph. And then, after Joseph, we come to a, another interesting group of people. They're the, they're the shepherds in the field. They're the uh, angels that announce the birth. Do you realize what God chose there? Shepherds were looked upon as the very bottom of society. There's so many things they couldn't do because they were not looked upon highly. And yet, isn't it interesting that God appeared to shepherds? Not only did he put his child in a manger, but he appeared to the least of society with the message. Most people believe that most shepherds were not in tune with the Lord, but they looked forward to the coming. And their looking forward was fulfilled as the angels, the highest-ranked beings in society, in the world, other than God himself. That's the ones that God chose to touch, to whom then his salvation was well, from the lowest to the highest. And then we have a young man by the name of Simeon. I don't know whether he's young or old. Uh, you kind of get the feeling like he's ready to die, the zunk, zunk um, Deminis, which means now uh, I can depart. Uh, it could have been a very old man. Uh, it's hard to say. Uh, but whatever the case was, let me read it. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. Now, there's the important word waiting for the coming of the Messiah. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Christ. And he came to the, in the Spirit to the temple, and when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed him, and he said, "'Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word.'" For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared for the presence of all peoples, a light for the Gentiles and a glory of your people Israel. you realize salvation has never changed? From eternity past to eternity future, salvation has always been in that parenthesis, in that picture of the coming Messiah who would die in our place. They look forward to his coming. That's why the Jews celebrate the seventh day. We look back on his coming. That's why we celebrate the first day of the week. You see, that was the picture of salvation. It's never changed. It's always been the same. Either you're looking forward to his coming or you're looking back on it. Now, Simeon, that's what he did. That's what it means when he looked for the consolation of Israel. He was putting all of everything he had into this looking forward to the coming of the one who would save him. And by that, he was going to be saved. And, and the picture is so beautiful because Simeon, for us, is a picture of the faithfulness of the Old Testament saints who looked forward to the coming of the day we celebrate as Christmas. Let's go back and let's review them. Mary, excuse me, Zachariah, who brings silence to the world. End of silence to the world. A new era, a new beginning. We have Elizabeth who teaches us how to understand who Mary is, the mother of our Lord. We have Mary herself who took the curse of Eve away through the birth of her son. Joseph who fulfilled the law and made it possible for us to have a Messiah shepherds in the field, the lowest of all people, the angels who are the highest of all beings, Simeon who pictures the Old Testament saints looking forward to the redemption that comes in Christ. There's one more. Anna here is named after her. She's a special lady. Now, you know, she could be 84 years old, the way the uh, the ESV says. It's possible. She could be 84. She could be as old as 107, even older than me. Can you imagine? (laughs) Let me read about her. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping and fasting and praying night and day. And coming on the very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. Not a young lady. You know what? If she lived in the temple night and day, unless they had a room there for her, she was a homeless lady. You know, a lot of people might even call her a bag lady. But is it interesting that she might have been just standing there close enough to hear Simeon when he poured forth his heart telling the Old Testament saints that their weight was not in vain, that the Messiah had come, that they were excited about the fact that the deliverer it was here. And that may very well have been What she heard. And what did she do? Isn't it beautiful? (laughs) She just went out and told everybody. She said, You know what? I got the greatest Christmas gift in the world for you. The Messiah has come, our deliverer has come. All you who waited faithfully for him, I want you to know something. He's here. What about those of us who are looking forward? whether it be to death or whether it be to his second coming. Are we like her? Do we share that news? Is that the core of our being? That the Lord Jesus is going to come? That the Lord Jesus is here? and that we can have life through His name. As for me, I'll behold your face in righteousness. When I awake, I'll be satisfied with your likeness. How wonderful. Pray with me. Our Father God, What more could we ask for than the very presence of our God? Give us, O God, the grace to hold on to it on this beautiful day, on this day where we celebrate the beginning of it all, the center focus of all time, The birth of your blessed Son, in whose name we pray. Amen.